I have been excited about this. I even put on my fancy hunting jacket for it. That's how excited I am. I put on my Target shirt. You did. (laughs) (laughs) I've got a different color Target shirt in case we do a second one. Okay. Hey, welcome everybody. We are here with Dave Wagner. That was a drum roll. Dave Wagner. God. If you guys don't know who Dave Wagner is, you should. He's the best. He's one of my best friends. But you don't call her right anymore, which is sad. No, I'm just kidding. You do all the time. <laughs> Dave Wagner is one of my best friends. Honestly, uh, known you for eight, eight years, nine years, ten years, eight, eight, eight years, eight, eight years. Yeah. And uh, we've done life together. He's 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 one of my favorites. You were the first on my original podcast. You were the first guy I ever interviewed on my original podcast. I was. And uh, he's a good dude. Prophet. Delicious. <laughs> nutritious. And good Epicurious. For, good for the whole family. Yeah. Wholesome. Yeah. He's great. Handsome, humble. Handsome, humble. He's the best. And uh, it's good to have you on. Thanks for having me. Welcome back. to our uh, green room. What do you think? I'm loving the sign. Loving yeah. the uh, loving the amazing fig trees. Is that fiddle, what this is? Is this a fiddle? Fig? Fiddle leave fig. Yes. It's fiddle dying. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, yes, we have a fake one at my house. You do? Yeah. I've been trying to get the team to buy fake ones. In yeah. fact, I personally marched one of them into Home Goods. Was it Home Goods? It was Home Goods. Yeah. Uh, Home Goods? No. Hobby Lobby. That's it. Yeah. I yeah. personally, and, and I tried to buy fake ones, but they didn't, they were too fake. Yeah. My wife actually bought them from Hobby Lobby. Look at that. Yeah. See? Gosh, it's almost like you're a prophet. You, you can read my brain. See that? They're amazing because they don't die. You don't have to water them. <laughs> These ones die and we don't water them. I don't think. Do we water them? We do. I guess we do. <laughs> I don't know if we're good at this. Well, there's no actual natural sunlight in this room behind the scenes. Hey, yeah, but I don't want to talk about plants. I want to talk about you. How are you? You're in Reading. I'm great. I'm in Reading for doing a here? whole week. So getting ready for Open Heavens Conference at Bethel and hanging out with my good friend, Will. This guy. This guy right here. Yeah. So you uh, flew in last night. I flew in from Franklin, Tennessee. Yeah. Where we've been living for about a year and two months. So me, my wife, and five kids. Yeah. And uh, having a good time there. And uh, so flew in last night, spent the night at your place, and yeah. uh, here we are after a breakfast burrito, which was amazing. Come on. It was really good. That's, I got the burrito sweats going on right now. Yeah. Maybe it's this jacket, but I'm going to keep it on. <laughs> That's uh, my plan. Yeah, because that... You know, satisfies the <laughs> the hunter in you. It does. Listen, we met. Tell we met in Mozambique, Mozambique, right? In uh, November of two thousand and eleven. Okay, and it was hotter than blazes. Yes, and we. You had a team from Global Awakening. Mm-hmm. I was there with a small team yep. from Pensacola and around. And uh, well, we just come back with from our teams. I think went on outreach in the village, came back, and we were sitting on the front porch of a place and just started talking about life and family. And uh, I'll never forget you said, uh, "Tell me about your family." I told you about my wife and five kids. And you said, how many days do you travel? And I said, 275. And you grabbed my hand and started praying. Lord, I pray right now you close doors, you cancel meetings, you make him stay home more, all of those things. And uh, and that's how our friendship started after 
the night after, after yes. we hit a pig. Yeah. We were driving with Heidi and Surpresa and about a hundred Mozambican kids in the back of this uh, <laughs> Land Rover, yep. Range Rover thing. And uh, they were she, eating hard boiled eggs back there. Hard boiled eggs, barbecue chips, mm -hmm. Coca Cola's. Yep. The smell was amazing. There was probably 12 people in that car. Yeah. I was up front with Heidi. Everybody's worshiping. She was just telling us the story how she got her her air conditioner fixed on that car after mm -hmm. like six or seven years. It's true. It's true. And then they're driving down the road, and here's this big 400-pound pig in the middle of the, of the road. And we take that, and that takes out the air conditioner. And we she turned nailed it. She nailed that thing. Heidi hit that pig so hard. Uh, it, I remember feeling it roll underneath yeah. the car. Like you could yeah. feel. Th 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 you could smell the, the burning <laughs> hair, the, the pig hairs burning <laughs> on the exhaust underneath. When you look back, Tony and Pamela Maxwell, yeah. it comes rolling underneath the car. They mm -hmm. have to dodge. The other uh, truck had to dodge. It was pretty, pretty cool. What's more demonic than hitting a pig? On the way to outreach. Is there anything? Is that? Well, I think what was more demonic is we didn't get bacon from it. <laughs> I think we should have at least sliced going. and diced it. We did. If you stop, it can get dicey. Right. So we sent, we sent some of our leaders back to go and pay for it. Yeah, we hit that thing. It was crazy. I, I'll never forget that. Yeah, took out her radiator or took out uh, her air conditioner, which just got fixed. And uh, yeah. But then there was this guy from California. That was like his specialty was radiators oh, yeah, and air you're conditioning. Right. You're right. And he rigged it up on the way back. He did. And so it's pretty powerful. Come on. So we met in Mozambique. Yep. And uh, we've done life together since then. We have. And uh, oh. I, I love it, man. I love what you carry. I love what you walk in. Dave is, um, for those of you who don't know or are unfamiliar with with Dave Wagner, uh, you, you're a preacher, teacher, but your main gifting is in the prophetic. You are... You've been one of the most accurate prophetic voices in my life. You've been, yeah, in a lot of people that I know, you've been a kind of behind the scenes. You're like a behind the scenes guy. I, I tell people I know how to be seen and I know how to be hidden. Yeah. And I really prefer the hiddenness. Yeah. Um, th there's something about being hidden in God, knowing who I am, being able to stand before a crowd, but yeah. not letting the crowd define me, actually staying in that place of just being hidden in the heart of God. And um, and so out of that, yeah, I've been you know able to travel the the world, minister to amazing world leaders, four presidents, uh, a couple in America, a couple in uh, in Panama. Actually, the the new president of Panama, I gave him a word in two thousand eight that he'd become the, the the president in two thousand nineteen. Really? So they just inaugurated him. Uh, Come on, and why so you should have told me this in July. So um, you know, but again, it's those things that. Right. You, know, you get those platforms from the from the place of hiddenness. Yeah. And um, <clears throat> so those are the things you don't really talk about a whole lot uh, publicly because you're just in a kind of a sacred trust. And I think that's the way that it's intended to 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 be. Yeah. Um, but there's something there's something about that place of being able to to be postured, really. I think a lot of times we look for position. And I don't think there's anything wrong with that if it's with a pure heart. Right. But for for me, it's all about the posturing of my heart, you know, living in the, in that place of the presence of, of of the Lord. Which, for 20 years, I feel like I've been in a continual conversation with with the Lord, talking to you, but also having this internal conversation with with Him. And the great thing about Him is He speaks to us about everything. Right? He's just concerned about me hanging out and fishing with my kids as He is about right. me on a platform with with 10,000 people. Yeah, and um, and so you know, uh, I love Deuteronomy twenty nine twenty nine says that 
The secret things belong to the Lord, but that which he reveals belongs to us and our children's children forever. Hmm. So realizing that he's giving us things, speaking things to us for for generations that we may never see, but those truths, those those revelations are actually creating roadways and pathways for for destinies uh, to come. And um, I love that. Yeah. Did you come here just to preach a sermon at me? I, I did. I, you know, I had to turn it spiritual from, <laughs> from fiddle, from fiddle figs. No, to, I love it. I love it. No, um, it's good, man. So, how do you hear? Like, what's what's the way that you hear? Because everybody says like they hear God. Oh, I hear His voice, and and they look at somebody like you that moves in the prophetic. Yeah. For me, um, for those of you who are unfamiliar with Dave Wagner's ministry, there's probably a ton of stuff on YouTube you can watch. But um, you'll sit there and you'll just you'll just grab grab hold of somebody prophesy over for. An extended period of time. I've watched you do this many times. Ten minutes, fifteen minutes. You just kind of go for it. And how, how? How? What does that process look like in your life? Because it looks from the outside like you're just—he's talking to you. You're hearing his voice. What yeah. does that look like for you? Uh, for, for me, I'm gonna I mean, grab my Bible as you, as you do yeah. that. Go. So the the question comes up a lot. Like how do how do you hear? And I think the Lord speaks to each one of us in ways that we understand it, comprehend it, and yep. where He can keep our attention. So guys like me and you are are constantly moving and and for lack of better terms, ADHD kind of you know moving that way. He, he sw- switches it up. So I'll see something, hear something, feel something, know something, and I'll normally everything begins with a word, a thought, a picture. Yeah. And when as soon as I speak that out or start describing it, the rest comes. It's kind of like a string on a sweater. Yeah. Um, but uh, one of the greatest moments I had, I was in uh, Peter Meritzburg, South Africa, in in April, and uh, it got done. We're, we're ministering at people at the altar, like three hundred people. You know, mm-hmm. you know how it is on a on a meeting. Three hundred yeah. people just yeah, hungry yeah. coming. And and I ministered to to two people. You know, maybe I ministered three minutes over one person, and then two minutes over the next. And I get to this kid, his name is Lin, L-I-N, and as I'm ministering to him, after like three minutes, he gives me a courtesy drop. You right. know what I mean? It's that, <laughs> it's, you know, the man of flesh station where, hey, thanks for Did the word. Man of flesh yeah. station? Okay. Yeah. Like, I'm, I'm just going to like move out of the way so you can move on to the next person. And the Lord said, don't go anywhere. And so I waited for him to kind of open his eyes, you know, so he opens his eyes like this. And I say, Lin, come here. I said, um, God's not finished yet. And uh, the Lord basically had me minister to him for two and a half hours straight prophetically. And what? <clears throat> two and a half hours. What do you mean when you're saying that? Two and a half hours, the Spirit of the Lord, really it was the Father speaking to this kid, 19-year-old kid from around Cape Town, South Africa, in a township, had his father shot on on the front lawn in front of him a couple of years prior. His cousin and best friend gets shot a few weeks before he goes into this discipleship program. And the Lord just loves this kid to life, just speaking to identity about everything. And every time it seems like, you know, the conversation is wrapping up, God just, right. and this guy just weeps. And I'm looking at all the people around me and, um, you know, you can feel the pull, like, come on, hurry up. And, yeah. and um, it was like, I could, I was aware of the 300 people, but I was just focused on this kid for two and a half hours. And the Lord just kept saying to me, heaven's not in a hurry. Mm. You may be in a hurry, but heaven's not in a hurry. And if you know how it is being a dad, if Josh wants to talk to you or right. one of my kids wants to talk to me, you know, um, I'm not in a hurry with the conversation. I, I want to engage with them. Yeah. And it was it was probably the most intimate, accurate, deep word where the Lord just kept just speaking and just healing all of these these issues, you know. 
the kid texts me almost like every day, just as a as as almost as a spiritual dad and a and a, and a father. And we can miss those moments. Yeah. And I love the crowd. I love the just the fast impartation stuff. It's hard for me because if I'm ministering healing, you're going to get a prophetic word. Like I don't know how not to prophesy. Right. Uh, in a, in <laughs> it's a, true. In a sense, it's, right? it's it's true. I've never seen you not. So, so prophesy and I, so it's hard for me in big meeting settings right. the hardest part is i can't get to every person right i watched that struggle in you it's amazing because it's the one thing that it's the one thing that most people when they get the platform they start running away from they start running away from the ministry to people one-on-one yeah. but it's also the thing that that takes out ministers right yeah. like that that you uh somebody somebody said it i i wish i came up with it but you you carry a heart of com- you're a, you're the only prophet that I know that carries oh oh man the, I'm butchering this the heart of compassion and the prophetic equally yeah so most most prophets they they don't have that compassionate heart they have this passionate love for the Lord but to carry compassion and the prophetic. And this ministerial heart, I, I, you just don't see it. There's only like two or three people I know that, that move in the gifting the way that you that you move. But how do you find that balance, right? Because I've been there when you walk out at two, three in the morning, four in the morning, yeah. and you got to get on a plane at six in the morning, you yeah. know, and go and do it again. Where's that balance in your life? I used to feel like I had to pray for everybody in the mm-hmm. room, and uh, that led to a long nights and tired body and mm-hmm. wore out, and you just kind of physically get sick because you yeah. So you have to realize you're not the Holy Spirit. Mm-hmm. And so um, I just came, uh, the Lord and I came up with this thing where he just whispers, you've met my expectations, I'm done. And he'll say, the gift will keep working if you want to keep working, but wow. but you met my expectation. So that's how I know that I'm done. Mm-hmm. And it, it began to shift over the last couple of years. So yeah. my one of my spiritual sons who you met, Trey McClendon, yeah. Um, before he had his his diving accident, um, was with me in Australia. We we're in Melbourne, and um, we we're in this leaders meeting. And it was supposed to go from like seven to eight thirty. Hard stop. Like you know, you get the the details from the pastor. Like this is our leaders meeting. Seven to eight thirty. Got to honor right. the time. And um, and on the way flying there, uh, I felt this frustration, this internal frustration with the prophetic. And as I'm flying to Australia, the, the Lord asked me this question. He said, "You want to know why you're frustrated?" So obviously, yes, Lord, I want to know why I'm frustrated. So you're frustrated because 98% or 95% of the prophetic words you give aren't going to come to pass. Not because you missed it, not because timing was wrong, not because, you know, um, the content was wrong, uh, but because people won't do anything with it. And that's why you're frustrated. And so I thought to myself, here's what I'll do is I'll just hone in the gift and call out that 5%. And forget the the ones who won't do anything with it. And uh, so this was a perfect place to practice that in this hour and a half meeting. And at 8.30, God was moving, and the pastor said, keep going. And at midnight, it was still going. Wow. And I remember looking at, uh, at Trey, who was playing the keys behind me, and he's just sobbing and laughing at the same time. It was like crying and laughing. And we finished up around one in the morning, and we go back to the pastor's house, and we're staying in the in the same room. And uh, he just finishes talking to his wife and kids. I wrap up talking to Molly and the kids, and and I said, "Hey, man, what was that about?" 
And he said, uh, he goes, oh, yeah, he said, I was just looking at you. And he said, the Lord just said these words to me about you. He said, you can do whatever you want to. You can call it your your five people, preach for an hour, walk off the stage, and, and that's fine if that's what you want to do. But if you want to fulfill my calling on your life, I've called you to be God's prophet to God's people. Yeah. And if you'll do that, I'll use you to heal the prophetic. And I don't know how to describe it, but something lifted off of me. And something came on me. Mm. And I think it was the expectation of people came off me mm. or the the feeling of I'm responsible for everybody's word. Mm. I'm responsible to give it and to steward it and make sure it's accurate and from the heart of God. Uh, I'm not denying that part of the responsibility. It's a sacred thing, a holy thing to me. But I can't I'm not responsible if if you know if you're gonna prepare for it or or walk it out. I, right. I think there is a sovereignty to what God says. I, I believe that's true. He's sovereign. But I, I think a lot of times prophecy, especially in personal prophecy, speaks to our potential. Mm. You know, I have this word about going around the world, but if I right. choose to just go, no, not leaving Franklin, not leaving Pensacola, not leaving Reading, that's really on me. The, the call still stands. The the word is still accurate, but yeah. it will most likely, you know, be passed on to to somebody who'll say yes. Huh? Yeah. I mean, it's disheartening. I okay. I've lost the my I lost that passion for a season going around and praying for people impartation, yeah. right? And watching people get radically touched. I mean, yeah. like ten out of ten dreams and visions and visitation and encounters mm-hmm. with the Lord and. And then you come back six months later, a year later, and they're just doing, they've done nothing with it. Yeah. It is very frustrating. I've never looked at it. I've never looked at it that way. Yeah. I, I, for me in my life, when I encountered Jesus, it was like that, that moment marked me and, and, and sent me out. Right. So I have a hard time even now. It's, it'll be, well, it's 20 years in just a couple of weeks that I've been doing this nonstop. I still struggle with, with that, that balance of pouring yourself out. And then people doing nothing with it. Yeah. Um, how do you handle like the unhealthy prophetic? How do you handle like a lot of the the garbage? I've done the, the most unhealthy prophetic thing request I've ever had is is of you. I've <laughs> I made the most unhealthy prophetic request of you, and and I'm so grateful that that you received it. But how do you handle that stuff? Like, okay, well, I'll explain that. It's it's so weird yeah. for me to say it. So when my wife got cancer, she was sick. I I texted you and I said, I know that this isn't this isn't the way it works. I know that I'm stepping out of my you know my comfort zone. I would never ask any anybody else except you, but you need to tell me whether my wife's gonna live or die. Yeah. Like tell me, tell me, tell me, tell me. Yeah. And and I put that on you, which is which I knew was unhealthy, which I knew I shouldn't do. And I still, I still put that. And you took that. Like you were like, okay, I'm gonna pray. I'm gonna figure this thing out. And you, and two, I think it was two days later, you sent me a text back. Right. Um, and I'll never forget it. It was that that word that you gave me gave me was was this seed of faith for one of the worst seasons of my life. And and I'll, for the for those who are listening, basically, I, I'm gonna butcher it, but uh, you know, your wife will live and not die. Um, the Lord's going to move. Thousands are going to be touched through this, which all of that's happened. And then in that in that text message, you, you didn't respond by phone call. You respond by text. But in that text message, you you said, and she will not lose her hair, right? And it was like this little sentence in there. 
And in my heart of hearts, I said, okay, if, if this is an accurate word, right, then my wife won't lose her hair in chemo and radiation. And uh, so her hair starts falling out left and right. And she had this long, you know, you know, right. she had this long, black, beautiful hair. And we started tr trimming it down, took off six inches and took off another six inches or whatever. And so it's shorter and then it's falling out. It's in our Cheerios. It's in every, it's in, it literally was all over my house. And, um, and she, you could see that was one of the hardest parts for my wife was her losing her hair. And I remember we were taking it down, taking it down and she had it super short, like, sh uh, you know, as short as mine is right now. And, and I remember going, cause I was watching it. I was, you know, timing it out. I could see one week it was this way. Second week I said, we got about another week maybe a week and a half before she loses all of her hair. And, uh, and I remember my faith dwindling watching that. I was like, oh man, Dave, like I put him in this unhealthy place, but, but that word isn't accurate. And we go into the doctors and the doctor says, like he comes in, he comes in the office and the wait or the, the room, whatever he comes in and I'm sitting there. He didn't like me that much, uh, but he loved my wife. And so he ignores me, he goes right to my wife, he goes, hey, I'm looking over your stuff. You're not really responding well to this one medication um, of the four from your chemo. I think it was chemo. Yeah. Um, so we have to remove you from this one, one of the four drugs that are in this chemo mixture that we're giving you. And, uh, and he goes, and, and then he walks out of the room, he's going to go do something else and then come back in. He goes, oh, but the good thing is, you know, you won't lose your hair. Yeah. Because this is the one that causes your hair to fall out. And like literally at that point, I knew... I knew that my wife was going to live like I, I didn't know. And that that I knew my wife was going to live because of the word that you gave. And of course, I, I have faith in the Lord. Like that's of course, I know that he can do it and work a miracle, even if I got garbage news. But but like from that moment on, I just I just went, I was like, OK, it'll just be a time that we're finishing this process up and then we'll be out of it and, and move. It was that day and that word that you gave me. But I shouldn't have done that. Or should I have? Uh, I, I think when you love somebody <laughs> and that is that is your wife, I think you should do whatever you need to do to touch God and hear from heaven. Because in that moment, it's really hard to hear because you're hearing all of the reports, yeah. all of that stuff. You have all of your own emotions, your your life, her life, your kids' lives flashing before your eyes. Yeah. And sometimes you need an outside perspective. And although we're we're close like brothers and 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 friends. I, I had to take a step back and go, hey, I need to separate myself from the emotion of wanting Moosey to live, wanting you to have your wife, your kids to have their mother. And I, I had to get with God and over and over again. I, I would tell you that that word came to me shortly after the call and the text. Yeah. But I, I had to weigh that because it wasn't – I didn't want to create false hope. Right. Uh, I – I, I knew that if whatever I said, we would work it out. If it was totally, wrong or, or totally. wrong, we would totally would have, have worked it out because we're imperfect. And because of that, yeah. you can give imperfect proper, you know, prophecies. But I, I felt the weight of it. I, I guess that weight came to me not just out of the gift of prophecy. Mm -hmm. It really came out of the office of, of the prophet. And so I, and let's I, talk about this. Yeah. Walk us through because – can, do you mind just yeah. walk us through those steps? What does that What does that look like? You get yeah. an unhealthy request from somebody that you love, yeah. right? How do you, like what does that look like? Yeah. So again, I have to go. Wow, this is really heavy. Mm -hmm. 
and I'm in the midst of preaching. I'm getting ready. I got your call or your text actually when I was getting up to preach a, a, a <laughs> conference in northern Minnesota. I'm like five minutes before I'm getting in the pulpit. So I have this, you know, this weight, and I'm a responder. Yeah. So my my heart is like, I'll drop everything. I'll walk out of this place. I'll go to fly. I'll fly to Pennsylvania. Mm-hmm. I'll I'll do whatever it takes. But I have to take a step back from that because I am an emotional guy. It's part of that mercy motivated, pro, you know, prophet that I am. Yeah. It's that compassion. It's the thing. So I have to go. I can't fix this. I'm not God. I'm just connected to it, and I've got to hear. A clear word and so the lord spoke to me you know in in that short about a, a time about that and i was like lord this is very specific and so i need to know is like your your wife's gonna live and not die so am i just quoting psalm 117 right right, right? because that could be my out like well well i was just quoting scripture right totally right but but there's a part where you gotta have you gotta you've got to go Bypass your emotions, bypass your own desires, and say, "God, I really need to hear from you." And it was so, it was so, it was so profound to me. It wasn't this. It wasn't an audible voice. I can't tell you that it was an audible voice. Yeah. But it was probably one of the loudest prophetic um, moments I ever had. It was like it was that clear that I just knew that I knew that I knew. It was probably the first time that that to me prophecy and the gift of faith operated in my life together. I've had healing in the gift of faith, or when I saw a four-year-old boy raised from the dead in, in Uganda, healing in the gift of faith came. But the first time that prophecy and the gift, like it was the faith of God. You're saying this is the first time that happened. It's the first time that ever happened. And and so it was like I I knew that, but you know, it, it was also in this point where um, other people that I loved had had just died or were walking through some right. of the same things, where um, you know I'm I'm declaring the word, I'm, I'm believing it, but I didn't have that strong of a word o- over them, in- including my spiritual dad at the time. Yeah, and so it was so loud, so clear, and the fear of the Lord was on it. To me, how I know something is really, really the Lord, it's the fear of the Lord on it. If I don't feel the fear of the Lord on it. Then, then I'm I'm really nervous. That's where I'll go. I kind of sense or I feel, but when I gave you that word, it was like it was an absolute. Like your wife is going to live and not die, and, she, and the sign's going to be she's not going to lose her hair. And, and to me, that was you know. So we're we're talking back, you know, four years, right? Somewhere somewhere around yeah. that. Somewhere around that. So I, I'm ministry at that point for about sixteen years. And that was the most intense, or I, I knew that I knew a gift of faith connected to the, to the prophetic word changed, changed everything. Yeah. And, um, and it, 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 it was one of those things that was just so profound, but I had to weigh it. Cause I didn't want to, you know, I think, I think instinct, <laughs> is, uh, okay. right? right? I, I think instinct is like instant instinct is like, you know, I, I want to say what needs to be said in the moment, but you got to press through to hear. Yeah, I, I, yeah, and and I think sometimes we, I think oh, we get so. Stop. Why do you always do this? It's my gift. <laughs> I'll make you cry and I'll make stop. you laugh. Like uh, okay, yeah, and. 
and it's <sighs> yeah. And and I, I think sometimes we get into this this place where we get so familiar with it that we we stop weighing it. And I think that's where people start kind of just familiarizing or or regurgitating in a sense prophetic words because it worked one time. Right. Right. I mean there, there's situations that on the flip side, one of the hardest things is when you don't hear and you have to, you actually have to say, I don't have anything. Right. Or even worse, when you hear a word that, you know, do you like, hear it's that? Not do, you hear the, do you hear that? Does God tell you that? On only on three occasions well, did I know can that. Can you talk that, about that? Yeah. So, um, Stop yeah. talking about my wife. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I'm sorry. That was the worst season of my life. Yeah. Yeah, no, it was. It was the worst season, and and it's amazing because like the prophetic gets such a bad rap, and like especially when it comes to healing, because when somebody gets sick, everybody comes out of the woodwork with, you know, words of faith or like God's gonna hit you know, and then they die, and then it like this confusion steps in, and yeah. you know, I think there's I think there's a level of mystery, and and I get that. Um, I think one of the worst places I've missed it. I was early on, um, early on in ministry. So I was I was saved in '97. Really launched out ministry in '01, in '03 or '04. Um, somebody brought me uh, this little girl, man, and um, she had some rare kind of disease, brain disease that would you know. You stop growing up, and then you know right. you progress, and you be just you know, eventually you, you wither away. At that point, my I had a lot of zeal, maybe not a lot of wisdom, or you know, and I, I just went after it, and, and I, I declared things as absolutes when I was actually speaking them in faith. Um, but but I, the word I gave um, in that time. I think created false hope, right? So I was standing on the standing on the word. I was, you know, uh, I was outside probably my authority or realm of of understanding at that. I was somewhat of an amateur or novice in it. My heart was right. I think I had good intentions. It wasn't like I intended just to get these people out of my way. I'm just gonna you know give them the best word ever. I actually believed it in my heart, and so walking with that family over a period of a year and a half, two years' time as their daughter continually deteriorated and having these conversations with the Lord, like, did I did I miss it? And how I delivered it is where I missed it, right? I should have said, I'm standing in faith. I'm, I'm praying in faith with you. But obviously things are going down a, a different road. Mm. But I, I stuck with it, Um and with that family and walked it out to, you know, there's no, they're not hurt by it. They're, you know, they, they know my heart in it. Um, but I, I learned something. I learned something from that. Um, and, and really, I think what I learned was there's a difference between praying in faith and prophesying. Mm. And um, I think the plus side of that is they had all of these negative words, you know, 
death sentences. Mm -hmm. And so I was speaking life. Now, they would come back to me years later and like, you know, looking back, that word you gave us was was true. I mean, she lived longer than they expected. Mm. Thanks. That makes me feel better. Right. But there's a part of me that goes, let's let's be honest, Dave, you missed it. And I think that uh, I think that's a part of maturity. Mm -hmm. Like, you know, I I can't be above missing it. Right. I want to be an accurate 100 percent profit. I think for the most uh, for the most part, I am. But it's that taught me to weigh it. That's why I didn't just go, hey, Will, this is what I think. I had. A, I actually had to filter through the pain of my my mistake over here to go, Lord, I've really got to get this right. Yeah, I've really got to get this right. Um, and, and that's why I weighed it. The fear of the Lord was on it, and, and I was able to release it to you. Let me ask you a question. You just said something, I think, really interesting. Um you said you, you, you feel like you're a re- really accurate prophet, right? Yeah. Um, but do you feel like people don't handle it well and that's why they don't see it? Because I know I, you mentioned that earlier on. You said, you know, it, it, 5% will actually do something with it. Yeah. Do you, how do you balance accuracy and, and, yeah, whether people are mishandling it or not? Uh, you know, for me, I, I think some of it is conversation with the Lord. Some of it's conversation with with people. I have this this philosophy because at mm-hmm. the very core of me, mm-hmm. I'm a, again, a different breed, right? Mercy motivated prophet yep. who really loves the local church. Yeah, you do. So I'm this local church guy. And because of that philosophy, that perspective, that theology, I, I really believe that, that prophecies really need to be pastored. I, I need somebody... Okay, I need somebody to either pastor my prophecy, father, mother. You know, I need somebody over me, around me to like, hey, help me walk out, uh, walk out this word. And mm-hmm. it's been my. I mean, there's times you just go for it, mm-hmm. but but there's been times where I, I need people to speak into it. Um, I, I think sometimes we we miss it. A, a lot of times people give up on it because they don't see it in their timing. Right. I think most prophetic words are missed in timing. I think that's where we have to be careful to go like, hey, in the next 90 days, it's going right. to happen. Or by this date, it's going to happen. You know, because a day's like a thousand days, a thousand days, like, a, you know, mm-hmm. uh, a year. So you're like, hey, what, is, what does all that mean? Uh, and so I think we have to be, be careful because there, there's what I love about prophecy. It's partial. We know in part, we prophesy in part. Mm-hmm. It's progressive. So there's, he gives us what we need to know when we need to know it. He gives us something to work with, believe for, and to move towards. But it's also conditional, mm. and what's based really the condition is based on our our faith and our obedience. It takes faith yeah. to give, faith to receive, and and obedience to to really walk out uh, and carry it and carry it out. You yeah. know, you had this word, you know, to go, and so you, you just said, "I'm going." Right? You didn't have to think about it. Didn't need a hundred confirmations. It was, you know, God changed your life. You you've started learning the voice of God, and you just step into it. But most people are looking for three, four, five, six, seven. A hundred confirmations, hmm. and and so I think sometimes the great thing about to me about the condition of prophecy it can be delayed but not canceled, right? Right? It can be re reassigned. I, there's no doubt in my life that if words over my life that I don't fulfill, Benjamin, Caleb, Era, you know, Josh, Isaac, they're they're gonna they're gonna walk walk it out, and their their kids also. So I, I love that part of it. 
uh, you know, I had a great, uh, I had a great pastor um, who who recognized the prophetic in me and knew what to do with it. So he helped me with delivery mm-hmm. and 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 making sure that I was saying things clearly because I would get so excited in the beginning. I would go, my voice would get really high pitched. I would mm-hmm. talk really fast, and nobody could understand. And he's like, I'm sure that's a great word. Yeah. But we need you to slow down because we really value it and we want to know what it said. And, and so I would do that. And, he, and sometimes he would hear me and he's like, hey, that was good, but I, I think you stretched here. This is your, your pastor. This was, this was my pastor. Yeah. You know, um, but I think you, here's where the prophecy ended and your, your faith took over. Right. And you've got to differentiate that because prophecy is supernatural. But, but your faith is, you know, this measure of faith that you were given and you've got to clarify, I'm saying this in faith or, and so that, that really helped me early on. But one of the greatest things he did, um, <laughs> I remember in, in 1998, he and I flew to Houston, did these meetings. He would preach, you know, then at the end he'd minister, I'd minister, and then he'd go in the back drink coffee with the pastor and let me pray for all the people. So, you know, probably over a hundred and some people. At the end, they surround me and, you know, they start praying over me. So they give me like 38-minute prophecy. Back then it was cassette tape. Mm-hmm. So front, a back, front, a back, and another yeah. front. And uh, we fly back to Pensacola. I'm living with them at the time. So it's before I'm married, everything. So we're, we're just sitting there and uh, we're having coffee at the, uh, on the Saturday morning. And I go, Pastor, doesn't look like I'm going to be around you very long because um, I got this great word last night. And he's like, well, go get it. And he takes, you know, the old tape recorder and mm-hmm. and we listen to the front, the back, the front, the back, the front, back. And he's he's nodding his head sometimes, closing his eyes sometimes, shaking his head sometimes, no, like. And at the end of 38 minutes, he hits the thing off and goes, well, that's great, but you're not going to do any of it till I tell you you can. <laughs> now, the old, Dave, the old Dave would have been like, you don't believe in me, you're right, rejecting right. me, this is the greatest word I ever got. And just because it's better than your word, like, you, you know, you don't want that for my life. But really what he recognized was the word was right, but if I would have stepped into that, that mm. very word would have killed me mm. or destroyed me or my ministry would have been a, a three-year, two-year live because my character was nowhere ready for, for that word. And now I'm walking that word out you know, 20, um, 20, 21 years later in so many capacities with how I'm equipping and training and places that I'm going but I, but I had a father in my life, a pastor in my life, who knew how to pastor the prophecy in me. Mm. And it wasn't he didn't believe in it. And he, it wasn't that he didn't believe in me. He just knew that timing was very critical and crucial. And I think what happens is sometimes when something doesn't happen when I want it to, I'll just go throw it off to the side and move back into what I want to. And, and for me, um, I've just learned how to wait on the Lord, which is hard when you're when you're driven like me and you, when you want to go right. change the world, when you, right. you know, um, I love airplanes. I, I love going to nations. I, you know, uh, and and so there's a part of me that, that that wants to make it happen. And if I'm if I'm I'm careful, if I'm not careful, I'll end I'll, I'll end up trying to do the works of God and the Word of God without the presence of God. Yeah, and that's dangerous. Yeah, I mean he he's always gracious. He's always merciful. Right. But, but, but he, you know, he, he just knows best. And so in, in this place of, of waiting and patience, which I, I often don't feel like I have a lot of, uh, I've learned to, to just be patient in what he's doing right now. Yeah. And a lot of, a lot of that's internal. A lot of it's, a lot of it's learned. And, and, and I love zeal. Uh, and I, I want us to go 
run and do it. But I also want to. I also want the timing of the Lord. Yeah. Uh, in it, and so I think I took you on a little bit of a rabbit trail. But no, you're good, man. And um, what what's the Lord speaking to you right now? So, you know, for, for me, um, he, he's had me in this place for a, a long time. Um, of really, of First Corinthians fourteen one, pursue love, pursue love and desire spiritual gifts. I, I believe we live in a, an age right now, a church age, where people are pursuing spiritual gifts while desiring love. Mm. And and they're 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 we're actually the Lord is bringing an end to Holy Spirit one night stands, meaning that we just get a touch and we go home, nothing changes, we come back for the same touch in a different place, yeah. and all of that. So I think there's this this place of great um, place where the Lord's calling us to to fall in love with Him all over again. Mm-hmm. It, it's this place of deepening intimacy in the body of Christ. I also believe that that He's calling us into a place of, of stepping back into our governmental authority as the church. I think the church is looking at the world saying, you're not doing this right. And the, yeah. the world's looking at the church saying that you're powerless and you're not doing this right. And I think it's because we've actually, uh, uh, there's a void in the church of doing what God's called us to do and be, taking care of orphans, widows, the, you know, those things. And so the, the government is doing things that they, they were never designed to do. And so... Of course, they're not 100% successful in it. And so I think we, we need to move in in that way. I also feel it's a season of, of full disclosure and exposure. <laughs> where I, where, There's where a the, lot of that going yeah, on right now. Where the Lord is just, I mean, that was the word he gave me at the beginning of the year. It's a year of full disclosure and exposure. Everything hidden is going to come to the light. Everything secret is about to be made known. And, and I think we're watching that. God's just flushing things out. He's cleaning things out. In the midst of it, we have to be careful not to become judgmental and go, yeah. aha. Yeah. Like, it gives me, when you get a word like that, man, it gives me no, it gives me no joy mm. to watch the stuff that's being fleshed out. Like, yeah. like it breaks my heart to, to watch things get fleshed out and people fall and, you know, all of that. And, 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 and so I think there's this, there's this place of, of, of holiness as a grace, not a, not a obligation like, you know, that becomes legalism and, and religious, but there's this place of, of holiness, of, of living, of a living right, you know, and, and, and I'm aware of it in, in my own life, just the Lord, you know, things that I didn't think matter, they, they really do matter to the Lord, how I talk to my wife, how I talk to my dog, <laughs> you know, it, it really, it really, really matters to him. Yeah. And and I'm in a place of, of, of being maybe not oversensitized, but super sensitive in the moment of feeling like there's these moments, these tweaks where you just you just feel like presence lifts or anointing lifts, like you went somewhere you shouldn't have or you yeah. said something you shouldn't have. And and it's like, oh, now I know what David talked about when he said, Lord, take everything. Just don't take your Holy Spirit from me. Yeah. And and because I realize without him I'm dead. Without him I have nothing to say, nothing to to do. And so I think there's a, I think the true prophetic, whether it's it's mercy motivated like how I release it, mm. or or strong like other other guys release it, it does something. It shakes everything in us that's not like Jesus. Yeah. So that the unshakable kingdom can remain. And so I, I can say something in a merciful way that can shake something is equally as somebody who gets shaken by the you need to yeah you know uh, i think there's uh, i think there's different trains of 
of thought there. Um, I don't really think they have to compete. Like I just refuse to compare and compete, you know, compete right. my ministry with another prophet or another another ministry. I'm just going to be faithful to what God called me to. And and I think that we're in a season where the the Lord is 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 really inspecting the fruit of our lives. Let me let me ask you a question. So right now there's stuff going down. Yeah. Right. I don't want to name names, right. but there's yeah. there's stuff going down. Um, I know of a few. Yeah. I know three off the top of my head. That like what? How do you how do you balance? How do we balance that as a as the charismatic movement? Right. Is these spirit filled believers that that they've had all these words spoken over them. They've had open doors, massive open doors in their lives. How do we balance? How do we balance that as as going, yeah, the Lord's flushing out. Thank you, Lord, that you're bringing stuff to light. But but these guys are still, uh, yeah, they're, they're, they're giving a bad name to the prophetic. They're giving a bad name to the gifts of the Spirit. They're, yeah, how, how do you balance that? Because I, I struggle with that constantly. Yeah. Um, things don't go wrong. They start wrong. And we have to be more proactive than reactive. And we have been so reactive. So we tolerate stuff in people's lives as long as the gift is working. I remember, again, not naming names, but I remember being on a stage with an amazing leader, but just a mess in his life, mm -hmm. watching some of the greatest miracles I've ever seen. And I'm thinking to myself, Lord, I know his personal life. How is, you know, like, how is it happening? Because, oh, anointing doesn't mean approval. Right. It just means he's available. And and I think what happens is we are we are really wowed and impressed with spiritual gifts, where we should be looking at spiritual fruit. Mm -hmm. And the you know you can get impressed with my accuracy if you want to, but at the end of the day, I'm going to be judged by my fruit, not my gifts. Um, and, and my fruit won't lie. Mm. I can tell you I'm a good dad and a good husband all right. day long. But unless my kids and my wife say that, I mean, that's where the truth is going to be. Right. And, and I think what happens is there's been this absence of true spiritual father. I mean, we throw these words around, right? right, right like fathers right. and mothers right. and mama and papa right. and all of that. Well, if I really love my kids, I'm disciplining my kids. Yeah. Like, and and I think we've, we've let things go so far that now we have these major scandals when we actually could have had just yeah. house discipline. Yeah, and and people have abused the, the the platform in such a way that um, you know you have people like never knew them, didn't never shared a stage with them. I never did this. Yeah. I never you yeah. know I said this, but I didn't really mean this. And and we're backtracking things. And and, and I think that's that's really it's a really dangerous place to be because now we're in this reactive thing. I, I think. And again, I try not to, you know me, so, you know, I'm not yeah, like yeah. looking for a devil under no, a, every rock. But I think there has been this operation of this Jezebel spirit, you know, that's kind of masked by a, a political and religious spirit that goes after true authority, goes after, under, you know, undermining things, makes a mockery of, of, of leadership and normally goes after leadership, worship, all of those things. Mm -hmm. And we're watching so many, so many of those things flesh out. When you know, I think so many things could have been prevented. Yeah. Right. Um, there, if if things were handled right, and I'm not going to judge another man's field, but I have to go. Hey. Yeah. Like, well, I, I will tell you this: that to this day, 
you are one of three people that will actually look at me in the eyes and go, David, are you keeping it clean? And you do that countless times. We can be talking about fishing and all of a sudden you'll turn and something changes in your eyes. And it's not that you want to catch me off guard. It's just like, I want the, I want the truth out of you. Yeah. Well, I've got, I'm in hundreds of churches a year. Why wouldn't a pastor that I'm coming to preach for <laughs> look me in the eyes and yeah. say, how's your family, man? You know, how, how's your relationship with your wife? How's your relationship with your kids? Yeah. You know, are, are you still spiritually hungry? Are you replacing that with porn? Are you right. drinking too much? Are you doing, you know? And, and we're not asking those questions either because we really don't want to know. Right. Or we don't want to offend. Right. And, and then, and then we're watching these guys, guys fall. I mean, it, 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 it breaks my heart. If it breaks my heart, breaks your heart. How yeah. much more does it break the heart of God? I understand yeah. we live in a fallen world. Things are, you know, are happening. I, I think that, um, you know, we have to come to this place of of being beyond beyond reproach. Yeah. Um, but at the same time, at the end of the day, I'm a man. I'm anointed man. Mm-hmm. Have the have the same temptations, same issues as other people. But I need to have that that friendship, those people in my life asking those those hard questions. Yeah. Most of the, most of the people that I've that I've watched fall, or you know, that are in the middle of yeah. whatever thing that's going on you know their lives are falling apart it's be it's partially it's because i i mean i see a couple of things i see pride massive amounts of pride. yeah absolutely uh i see um yeah i see desire for uh pulpit over over character yeah and and uh i, I yeah they're unapproachable you there or they don't live with people that call them out yeah you know uh i think I think it's not it's not difficult. It really isn't difficult to live in community, but you actually have to listen to people. You have to let people speak into your life, yeah. and it keeps you grounded. It doesn't move as fast as as everything else. You know, we we were having conversations in my uh, you know in my house this morning, yeah, just over coffee. And when you when you live in community and you live with people that you're accountable to, it slows things down. It slow it slows yeah. everything down. You can't it's- just make a call, do this, do that. I feel this. I want to do this. You know, I actually have to listen to my wife. I have to listen to my friends, you know, like these guys even here, like holding the camera, they're like, you know, Hey, I want to do this. I want to do this. And he's like, (laughs) they're like, slow down. Like, that's not good. That's not, that's not the end goal that you have in your life. That's not what you want. But I'm like, no, I feel this. I want to do this. And I've noticed a lot of the people that, that are, yeah, that are in their second or third round of garbage, you know, public garbage they they just there's no accountability in their lives um and then and then there's another thing i've seen which is they've they have they've there's been a falling or there's been some something that's taken place and and the people around them are trying to raise them back up way too fast and i i've been battling this one so i don't like have a stance on this right now but i think i think if you're if you're if somebody does fall and you're raising them up back for a pulpit or you rate the platform is the is the return to restoration i don't i don't buy that i don't yeah. i don't think that the i don't think that f- true restoration has to look like standing behind a pulpit yeah. it's the pulpit isn't the goal jesus is the goal yeah right restoration is a heart it, it is not a platform right i think we have to to decipher between restoration and reconciliation 
right? I think we're I think we've reconciled people or brought people to this place of okay, you've you've done this year on the sidelines, you've walked through A, B, C, D, and so now you're you're ready. But we've not we've dealt with the symptoms of their life without dealing with the source of the symptoms of of, of their life. And and I, I think that's the I think you hit the nail on the head about the whole platform thing, right? It's yeah. it's it's this this desire that we've we've made this this is what success looks like right. in ministry. This is what restoration looks like. Right. When when really it's it's completely different. And you know, you look at, at, at you know what we're facing today is nothing new compared to what you know, no, it's not like Judas this is Peter, like, Jim Baker. Yeah. This is like this is not this is not a new story. It, yeah. it 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 surprises me when people are like, "Oh, how could this happen? Oh my God!" No, yeah. this is this happens all the yeah. time. It's always happens. Happened from the Old Testament up until today, yeah. where leaders they yeah. they fall uh, because of character issues yeah. or or self control issues or whatever. Yeah. I just. I just think there comes a time, especially in this day and age with social media and and you can actually go back and re and look at things and you can watch the progression yeah. in, in people's lives, which you couldn't really before. Like there has to be a standard that gets raised up in our movement or we will it will fall. The movement will take shots that it already has. I mean, dude, I remember when I remember when like it went down 10 years ago. Right. Yeah. I lost every speaking engagement. Okay, I don't want to name names. People know what I'm talking about. I lost every speaking engagement. I lost every, um, you know, every desire for people to have a young revivalist in their church because because it, it took the wind out of the movement. When right. when when somebody falls in such a form, it just takes the wind out of their sails. Like everybody sails, and it wasn't like it took like two two and a half years until people like got over it. And started to be able to see clear. Now, if their faith was on a man, that's that's on them. But but still, when these moments happen, it it is a blow to the to the movement. It is a blow to the church, and uh, and and the world the world looks at it, the world sees it. So I, I just think in this day and age where everything now, I mean, of course, we our hearts need to be right in front of the Lord. But right now, the world can actually go back and watch it, watch it happen where it's been hidden. It's, we've kept it yeah. behind closed doors in, in some sense. Now it's open to the world, and I, I don't know what it would, I don't know what it takes to get to get um, community of believers that that actually move in miracles, signs and wonders, power, radical love, radical faith, and that can keep <laughs> their lives together. Yeah. But it, I think it takes, I think it takes community, and it takes openness. And in each one of the people that I know, they've they've stopped listening to ones that that they love and that they've trusted, and the ones that that they started yeah. with. I have a friend right now, right now, um, yeah, good friend. I love take a bullet for him, for them, you know, and and making massive, massive, massive decisions and uh, massive mess yeah. in their life, and they stopped listening to the people that they loved and they trusted, and they started listening to to the world. I, dude, Dave. I mean, I I don't know people's hearts. Maybe we're we're not going to film. We we might not show this, but I don't know people's hearts, man. But but you can tell if somebody loves Jesus, yeah. like by their life. Like if you love me, you will obey what I command, and yeah. I will ask the Father, and He will give you another Counselor to be with you forever, the Spirit of Truth. Right? Yeah. 
If you love me, you'll be what I command. And I will ask the Father, and he'll, be with, he'll give you another counselor to be with you forever, the spirit of truth. The world cannot accept him. Right? That, that's John uh, 14, um, verse 15. That is, it looks like something. Right? right. Love to Jesus looks like something. It, obedience looks like something. Yeah. And and most people they don't want to obey what he commands. Right. Right? And 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 they want they want to look like the world. They want to be like the world. And I think that it's when I get around guys like you, right? When I get around guys that aren't trying to build, they're not trying to be something. They're just trying to love Jesus and be obedient to him. Not not to build a kingdom. Man, you you see the pure, the real. It's it's when it's when it becomes something more than just that passionate love for the Lord, right? That that you see you see these amazing callings over people's lives just derail and go south. I I am grateful to have people like you in my life that do ask me the difficult questions. I don't know. Do you do you, you ask me difficult questions? No, you do. I'm just kidding. <laughs> You're like, Will, you're getting fatter. No, <laughs> you know, but but it, it but it has to come out of relationship. Uh, in in one of the guys that probably most you know most people have figure out who we're talking about, but one of the guys I remember the day because I would hang out with them. I would had amazing encounters, but I remember the day where I was like totally different person, just totally different person. It, it was we were hanging out one season, and then I don't know four or six months later, met him met him a different time. And, just I could literally tell. It's like he's not the same person. There was a shift between this point and this point. And uh, yeah, it's dangerous, man. That's why I love having you in my life. Love you too, man. Yeah. I you know I think the best way that we can remedy all of it mm-hmm. is demonstrate how to do it right, and then acknowledge when we don't do it right. Right. You know, I've I learned I learned within the first two years of my salvation. That I would rather tell on myself because when I told them myself, the devil had nothing to say. Right. And it is an amazing thing to go to bed uh, with a clean conscience. Mm. It's an amazing thing to realize that everything that needs to be out there is out there. Yeah. Like I'll tell you the dirt. Yeah. Uh, of of my life and the struggles in my life because that's where help comes. Right. I think there's no healing without honesty. But we're so we're so we're so desiring self-preservation right like mm. i have to protect what's mine mm. and if i share with you that i'm i'm struggling right then i'm going to lose my, my yeah. platform my influence you might not have me at your conference you might not want yeah all those things and all of it's a big it's it's just a huge big cyclical lie i told a lot of our leaders in in iris I, and i walk up to them individually and i've said it at our last family gathering or like our all gathering. i said at our last family gathering in Australia, I said, if you are struggling, I will, I will not, you will not be removed from ministry. Now that might upset people. Of course there's levels, right? right. But if you are struggling with something like you're not going to get removed, like you're not going to get taken out. Like right. just that alone, that fear alone, um, I think is, is part of it. Most people, they continue on, they cover and they hide in shame because they, they know that everything's going to get taken away. Yeah. I find as leaders, if you can remove that, that that and put a place where in the middle of their mess that because God works at us, yeah. God works with us in the middle of all of our garbage. Like yeah. well, He doesn't remove me from being a father just because I'm a bad father, right? He doesn't right. remove me from being a husband because I'm a bad husband, right? Of course, I'm not saying there are t- there are times when you have to remove people and they have to be be right. taken down. But if somebody comes up and goes, "Yeah, I I need help," 
Like that's the heart of a leader. Like that's actually the heart of somebody that I want to work with openness and honesty. So I've been telling people, man, like if you're strong, like I'm not, we're not going to expose you. Like we're going to, we're going to love you, man. We're going to love you well. And we're going to get this thing figured out. Yeah. Cause that's the heart of somebody that I want to run with. You know? So I think one of the most beautiful verses in the Bible, when the woman with the issue of blood comes up, touches the hem of Jesus garment. And he said, who touched me? She came back, fell at his feet and told him the whole truth. Mm. And I think if we can actually become whole gospel and whole truth people, yeah, we'd be the most unstoppable, powerful force, yeah, in the earth because we're actually demonstrating, li- li- you know, living it out. And I think that's where you know the rubber meets the road. That's how we heal the reputation of uh, of a lot of these things. Yeah, and um, and and I think those, I think we have a responsibility to that. Yeah. I want my I want my kids to stay in that place. I, I tell people if you if you don't stay spiritually hungry, you'll you'll replace that hunger with something else. Mm-hmm. And so I'm constantly checking the spiritual hunger level so of, my, of my own life. Right. That's such a good word. Say that yeah. again. So if you don't if you don't keep your spiritual hunger, you don't maintain your spiritual hunger. Mm-hmm. Eventually, you replace that with something yep. else. So I'll replace it with food, with drink, with, Be- with bees, oh, yeah, with bees, with. <laughs> No, I'm just kidding. Right? It's, it's, it's it's all of those things that all of a sudden, yeah. you know, I'm the hungriest person in the room to yeah. now I'm like, I can't wait to get, you know, you, you know how it was when you, you first got saved. It was like totally. you weren't leaving until the last person left because totally. something might might happen. You stayed yeah. for what could happen, mm-hmm. not for what was happening. Yeah. You didn't rely on a worship team to entertain you. You didn't on. rely on a true. preacher. It was like you were there and you were in the midst of people that were going after God. And you were like, I'm going for it and I'm not leaving until I get it. And if I if they have locked the doors and me stay under the yeah. pew, I'm going to do it. And, you know, I, I think that's where, um, to me, I constantly want to be the hungriest person in the room. Yeah. I, I, want, to, I want to wake up. I, I can honestly say, um, you know, when the Lord raised me up in uh, on January 17, 1997. I tell people I died crazy, uh, I died empty, but woke up hungry. And mm. there was a difference. You know, I know what it was like to live empty, you know, trying to fulfill that emptiness, that void with something else. But the spiritual hunger in me has grown and grown and grown yeah. on a daily basis. And I know when it's there and I know when it's not there. Right, right. And when it's not there, it's, a, it's an indication in me, like I've moved somewhere, I've done something, yeah. I've, you know, there, there's a conviction about it. And and I think we've got to come back to that that place of cultivating hunger. And I think we do that by not just giving people what they want, but actually feeding them what they need. Mm. You know, uh, I think as a kid, I didn't like Brussels sprouts, <laughs> but now I, I love them. My mom said, "You're going to eat them because they're good for yeah. you." Of course, now we doctor them up with bacon and everything, yeah. so they're a whole lot better. He's the lamb, but you know, <laughs> but but you know, to me, I'm hungry for what I've I've not experienced yet. Right. So I'm, I'm thankful for yesterday's move, 20 years ago move, all of that. But there's a part of me that I'm hungry to see what hadn't been seen yet. And, and, and until I get that, that taste, yeah. and even when I get that taste, I want to be hungry for more. Yeah. And I, I think we have to just continually maintain that. I watched it. I've watched pastors that were on fire going for a move of the spirit, lose the hunger and like, yeah. you know what? We're going we're gonna to create a safe hour and a half. Sunday morning service, and we'll get more people because this hunger thing and going after this is going to keep people away. And I think that's the biggest 
lie. I think if we have a healthy move of the Spirit of God flowing in families in a church where people are living right, loving each other yeah. well, then it's the greatest show, not show, well, but it's the greatest thing in, you know, in, in the earth. Do you see that happening anywhere? Uh, I, I find it happening in a couple in a couple rear places where people have maintained it, and they've not based their um, they've not based their success by the numbers in the building, yeah, but but by the presence of the Lord. You know, when you find a pastor saying, "I'm still going to be the first one there and the last one to leave," yeah. not because I have an assignment, but because I have a, this love affair with Jesus. And you know, I tell people, I don't have a prophetic ministry; I have a prophetic life. I don't have a prayer ministry; I have a, uh, I have a prayer life. And I think that's where we have to. Get, you know, discipleship is teaching people how to live a God kind of life. Mm. And it's not just about, you know, this, this show that happens on Sunday or during a, a conference, but this is, this is actually real life for us. Yeah. And, and we've, we, we've got to demonstrate that. So I see that in some, uh, in, in some really small pockets here and there, but that hunger is, is growing. Like I'm watching people have this desire to come to know Jesus. Uh, in, a, in a very real way, because I believe we're all created with this seed and this desire of wanting to know him. And you can, you know, put on all the atheist agnostic stuff you want to, but, but if you give them something real, it hits that seed that they, they were born with to, to genuinely want to know God. Yeah. The one who created them. And, and, and I think we have to come back to that place of authenticity and genuineness and, uh, and, and all of that. So this, you know, same light show, same song, same. It's it's just like you're finding people. Uh, we have if we sing this, if we do this, if we uh, then God's going to come like He does right. there, right? And that's comparison, and and that's why nothing's happening. Yeah, because uh, I want what's happening here, but I also have to to say what's happening in my own culture, my own local church, my own you know sector of society uh, and family. Yeah, and 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 I think that's that's where we need to get to come on man so what's next david wagner what, what are you up to next what's this year look like so yeah this, this uh, next year yeah so this year is um finishing strong have some trips from here to to pittsburgh go home for my wife's 40th birthday that's important Gosh, that's a big one that's 40, a big one yeah how old are you now and uh 48 you so woo! I robbed the crate a little bit. You did, but uh, her mother set us up, so that makes it legal. I so. don't feel like that helps at all. Yeah. <laughs> that doesn't make any sense. So. Is that what we're using to justify that? Yeah, all these I years, am. I am. But she was well, of, she was of age when we we met, married. So that's all. <laughs> oh my gosh! <laughs> <laughs> no. Well, I and got the, the reverse going on. My yeah. wife's almost six years yeah. older. My mother-in-law tricked me. You know, she said, "Raise up a child the way they should go. Raise up a wife the way she should go," and uh, that didn't work for me. So, and uh, but the Lord knew what I needed, and wow. uh, and He gave me an amazing wife. Molly's amazing. Molly's great. Uh, and then yeah, and she's a firecracker. She is a firecracker. Yeah. And she makes me nervous. Yeah, in the best way possible. Yeah. I'm like I'm not making a bad move around this woman. She's a truth seer and a truth teller, <laughs> yeah. and um, and that's what I need in my life. So, yeah. um, you know, I'll never forget the time that I. I preached what I thought was the greatest message, waiting for her to compliment me, and I looked at her and she didn't say anything, so I provoked it. What do you think? She said, eh, I've heard better. Yeah. <laughs> so, I mean, that's why the Lord puts people like that in our life. But, yeah, yeah some stuff in the States. I have another uh, uh, trip to uh, Europe, another trip to Australia, and then I'll, I'll kick the year off, looks like, in, in D.C. the first week of uh, January 2020. Mm -hmm. And um, really 
trying to take some time to uh, – I've created these prophetic schools. Yeah, tell, just go so, for it. Tell, tell um, us about them. So I've, I've done this uh, – I started this Father's Heart School of Prophecy because I really feel like this, that I want people to catch not just the gift of prophecy but the heart of prophecy. Mm -hmm. If I can raise up heart prophets and love prophets or at least those that walk in the prophetic gifting through through love – uh, and, and hearing the heart of God uh, in a healthy way and how to apply that to everyday life, but also how to operate in a local church, submitting your gift, all of those things. And so I take people, I have a, a five-day school that I do. Yeah. Um, and then I do a, a one-month school uh, in the summer. And so if people want to know about that. Five-day school. Five-day school. When is that? Uh, uh, I'll do another one uh, in February of next okay. year. Uh, and then I'm going to do a month-long school again in, in July. It's actually about uh, about 20, 25 days. And, I, uh, literally, as you're saying this, I'm realizing that I forgot to shoot a video for your school. That's all right, man. God, you God, did. Shut up. You re, you asked me to. I totally forgot. Hey, Ooh, life I'm sorry, happens. man. Life happens. Well, it shouldn't. Not not with you. But, uh, but, hold on. Well, just really quick because uh, I want people to connect with you yeah. and go to these schools. Yeah. Uh, there's. I I didn't create this podcast to like promo anything or promote any. Like that's not why we do this. Right. Um, I do this because I love people and I love t chatting to them. I love hearing their yeah. hearing what they have to say. Uh, but there's few people that I would say everything they have is spectacular. David David Wagner is one of them. You're one of them. I'm talking. I'm talking yeah. to these guys. David Wagner is one of them. How can they go to your schools? How can they connect with you? Yeah. So FathersHeartSchool.com or FathersHeartMinistries.org. Mm -hmm. uh, there's places to to contact us from from those sites and keep up with what we're doing. And uh, my daughter and my son helped me to admin my last school really? that I did, and uh, they ran it just amazing. Did worship for it as well. And um, I keep them small because we I want to keep it intimate, be able mm -hmm. to pour into folks. You know, some people come, they check off the list. I went to this school, that school, right, right. and that's great. But some actually really become like spiritual sons and daughters, or I get to do life with them and pour into them and uh, help them to activate and steward the gift uh, in their own life. And uh, so I love that. Awesome, man. So go to the schools. Go to the schools. Where are they? Where do you hold them? Uh, in Franklin, Tennessee. Mm -hmm. I'll, I'll I'll do the um, a couple of the one week schools. I also do around a little bit. So I'm going to do one next year in uh, in New England. I think yeah. we're going to do it in Connecticut. Um, going to do one uh, in uh, Indianapolis, Indiana again. Yeah. Uh, in Franklin, Tennessee, and uh, Australia. Man, yeah, I'd love to do one in Australia. You should, man. And um, and also do it in. Um, uh, in Florida, so okay, and um, that's not a bad place to to go, especially for a month to go to school and then be on the beach as well. Unless it's in the summer, because yeah. it's that's the surface of the sun. It's stupid hot. <laughs> <laughs> Listen, Dave, I love you, man. Love you too. Thanks if, for having me. Uh, are you on Instagram? Are you yeah. all the things? Instagram at Davy Wag, Facebook David Wagner at Father's Heart Ministries, and uh, on Twitter as. The Davy Wag. At the, the, at Davey the Davey Wag. Wag. Yeah. Okay, so um, I'm trying to pull it up. You don't really update that much, but yeah, I need to you up need my to get game. better at that. Need to up my game. You need guys like Corey and Matt yeah. to to tell you what to do. Yeah. Listen, Wags, I love you, buddy. Love you too. Thanks for having me in. Don't be such a stranger. Okay, come on, come on out a little bit more often. Will you do that? I need to, and I will do that. And we're gonna go on vacation together. Our wives and us. Yes. No, just us. Just we'll leave us. the wives. Yeah. No, we're going to go on vacation. They want to go somewhere cold. We want to go somewhere hot. So.
I, I don't know. What's there's something in the middle, yeah. like Ohio. I don't know. <laughs> That's not even funny. Where'd you go on your honeymoon, Ohio. <laughs> Moosey and I, we went to Florida on our honeymoon. Yeah, yeah, uh, Panama City. We went to Florida too. We lived in Florida, then drove 50 minutes to another place. Are you serious? Yeah. That's so romantic of it you. Is. We had no money though, and neither did we. I drove. Uh, I drove our our Ford Taurus from Pennsylvania. We spent. We had our wedding night. <laughs> <laughs> at a at a friend's house like we didn't have like let, let me just slow down everybody uh but our first like night no it was our second night was at a friend's house and on our way down to florida and then we went to panama city it's weird why did i do that we had no money yeah we had absolutely no money you know what that's like just scrapping uh, in ministry and absolutely don't yeah but anyway panama city florida don't go there this is an awkward way to end a podcast. Yeah. Well, listen, uh, everybody, this is Dave Wagner. Thank you so much for watching. Guys, we love the fact that you watch these. It's an honor that you watch The Green Room. Um, but we don't do these for ourselves. We don't make any money from these things. We're, we just want to put these out there for you guys so you get to see and meet amazing people, hear their stories, Hear what God's speaking to them. Um, and the, the best thing you can do for us, if anything, is just share them. Just get it out there. Like, there's somebody that, yeah. I listen, there's there's people that need to hear what you have to say today. And uh, so spread it, share it, like, subscribe, do all the stuff. Uh, but David, thank you for so, so much for being a part of Iris, being a voice into Iris Global, coming here on this, you know, Iris podcast. And we love you, man. I love you. Love it too. Love you too. We'll be back soon. Bless you, man. We'll see you guys later. Thanks for watching. Thank you, Wags. Thanks, Wags. Yeah.